I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Rudolph the red-waved reindeer had a very shiny wave. It's high noon for Tuesday, December 22nd, 2020. Follow the podcast on Parlor and Rumble at I'm Your Moderator or join the info stream on the Telegram Messenger app, t.me slash I'm Your Moderator and click join down at the bottom. Super easy. Seems kind of complicated to some people, but super easy. I promise. Just type out the link and send it in a text message to yourself. And then click on the link. It'll work. I swear it. Also, you can join the discussion thread. T.me slash. Be reasonable discussion. Got it? Good. So. I want to talk a little bit more about this stimulus bill, as they call it, which is really just a massive spending package with very little stimulus. But it has all sorts of other things in it. $600 for the American people, but all sorts of other nice things for the rest of the world. Now, it occurs to me, if you recall, I talked about Andrew Cuomo's lovely virtual birthday party last week slash fundraiser, where unless you were like a poor student, who wanted to get in for $50. Every single donation on the thing was more money than they are giving to each American. It was like a thousand, twenty five hundred, five thousand, ten thousand. Those were the packages to get on your computer and watch washed up celebrities try to convince you that Andrew Cuomo does a good job. But they're giving you $600, so suck it, America. Now, some people went through the bill and found what exactly the money was getting spent on. And here are a few of the things. The Kennedy Center gets $26.4 million. And some of these places were already given money in the first round of funding. In this bill, they have a billion dollars set aside for the Smithsonian, $154 million for the National Art Gallery, $167 million for National Art and Humanities. Who knows what that is? I mean, I could look it up, but I'm not gonna. I just know they don't need $167 million. And then $14 million for the Woodrow Wilson Center. Now... No money from the American people should ever go to anything with Woodrow Wilson's name on it. But that's another story. Foreign aid. 
$1.3 billion for Egypt, $700 million for the Sudan, $453,000 for Ukraine. Israel gets $500 million. Nepal gets $130 million. Burma gets $135 million. And I'm being told that they don't even have to take Alyssa Milano and Chrissy Teigen for that money, which is fucked. Like if we're giving them $135 million, they should take prominent communist celebrities. Cambodia gets $85.5 million. Pakistan gets $25 million. And then the Asia Reassurance Initiative Act gets $1.4 billion. Again, American people, 600 and then all of that. And, you know, some of the logic is that this is supposed to help with our relationship with China. I mean, are we expecting them to mount standing armies and give us military aid? What exactly are they going to do to help with China? Our media is already forcing us to pretend that a man who is compromised by China is going to be the next president. But sure, let's send off billions of dollars to some tiny countries around the world and pretend that that will solve the problem. Perfect. And only six Republican senators voted against this thing. That's amazing. That is a total abandonment of principle. And it's not surprising. These are the same people who voted for the bill that are refusing to support Trump and refusing to support the American people in their push to make sure that our votes still matter at all. Because if Joe Biden usurps his way into the White House, our votes will never matter again. It's just a big, fat middle finger to America. It truly is unbelievable, but this is what we should expect now from the people in Congress. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez yesterday was tweeting about how the bill is over 5,000 pages. I think it's almost 5,600 pages. And they were expected to vote on it last night and did vote on it in a matter of hours. So what they did was institute a law governing the expenditure of trillions of American dollars without reading it. None of them read it. What in the world could possibly require 5,600 pages in a spending bill? And of course, it's not like one person wrote it. They just kept taking on more and more random expenditures until everyone decided that they got what they wanted personally. And then they lump it all together. No one reads it. And then they vote for it. 
that is specifically the sort of thing that our Constitution and our country was designed not to do. Not only have we abandoned personal responsibility as citizens, our representatives have abandoned personal responsibility as representatives. Who can we depend on in Congress to actually represent the will of the American people, the good of the American people, or the oath they took to the Constitution? It seems like virtually none of them are prepared to do that. It's as if being elected to Congress is decorative. They just go on down there and they have an office and then they get to talk to some media people, maybe get on television a few times. And that's the job, apparently. They go down there. They vote for whatever Nancy Pelosi or Mitch McConnell tells them to vote for. And that's it. And then they wait until they can have their reelection campaign funded by more people that they then need to serve. And for people like Pelosi, this has been going on for decades. Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, old guard politicians who clearly don't care about the fact that they are not serving the American people and the American people are actually recognizing that and rising up against them. And this whole thing is so strange because no one seems to realize that the mainstream narrative, the central narrative, is no longer the majority viewpoint. And people on our side often worry about what the mainstream media says because they have this sense that the conversation around them is constantly repeating the central narrative to them. And the central narrative is so much the antithesis of what it is we think about and we believe that we constantly feel like our point of view is silent and shut out and worthless, but it isn't. If the central narrative actually represented what the people of this country think, Donald Trump would have lost in 2016. The public would have pushed the Russia narrative, maybe over the finish line. Any of the attempts to get Donald Trump out of office might have worked. Coronavirus could have been much worse. Imagine Trump decided to institute a nationwide lockdown and was bending to the will of Anthony Fauci and these Democrat governors the entire time. And he was doing what the other politicians in Washington do, which is bury their heads so that they're not the ones who get the media blowback for doing the right thing. If Donald Trump was a weak politician, he would have done exactly what they wanted with the pandemic. And that's what they expected. 
That was legitimately their plan was forcing him through the media, through public shaming, political violence, whatever else to do the thing that they wanted him to do. And he still said no. And the country backed him on that. So they used the Black Lives Matter stuff. Again, they've had no evidence of any of these things. And that's a real important point to remember. You know, I, I put this out on Parlor last night. Like, There's no evidence whatsoever that the Russian collusion hoax was real, except for the fact that the media said it. That was it. No one else had any reason, any legitimate intellectual, factual, rooted or otherwise any reason to believe that the Russian collusion hoax was real, that Donald Trump colluded with Russia. The media said so. That is the only evidence any of us ever had and could ever explain. And people believed it because they didn't like Donald Trump and they were used to trusting the media, at least on some level. But the point is that it didn't work. I know that we all experienced it. I know it lasted for two years. I'm not denying that. I'm not saying no one believed it. I'm saying it ultimately didn't work. And it ultimately didn't work because enough people didn't believe it. Similarly, the only evidence they had that the Ukraine call was bad, that Donald Trump had anything going on that was untoward in Ukraine was that the media said so. And then they tried to prop up people like uh, Alexander Vindman and the rest of those communist traitors who testified against Trump, knowing full well what Joe Biden had done, had actually done with his son, Hunter Biden. Every one of those people, had they been patriots, had they cared about the oaths that they took, they wouldn't have pursued an impeachment of a president over that. Joe Biden and Hunter Biden really were corrupt and making corrupt deals in Ukraine to benefit our adversaries. That's what actually happened. But the media told us Trump needed to be impeached for a phone call because they had a whistleblower. And so they were happy to say that Vindman was this unassailable soldier and you can't talk about the veterans like that, except they do all the time. And the ambassadors, oh, they're career public servants who have faithfully committed their lives to this country. Well, no, they're career political hacks and bureaucrats who have made a career off serving the system, not the people. There's no evidence anywhere that masks or lockdowns work or they would have worked, but they didn't. And this isn't just evidence in the country. There's no evidence in the world that those things work. 
And that's part of why science never recommended them in the first place. So the only evidence we have of those working is the media saying it. And the media doesn't continue discussing the science of whether or not masks work. They discuss who you are if you don't listen to them. There was no evidence that race was a factor in the death of George Floyd or Breonna Taylor. Yes, circumstantially, they happened to be black. That doesn't mean that's why they were killed. In fact, there's no evidence whatsoever that that's why they were killed. Except that the media said so. And there's no evidence that Joe Biden won the 2020 election anywhere at all, except that the media says so. And that corrupt politicians have put their name to it, even in the face of overwhelming evidence that they signed their name to fraudulent documents and a stolen election. But there is no evidence of any of these things. So apparently, evidence only matters when it's stuff we say, right? We should be demanding evidence for their claims, not the other way around. We have, again, overwhelming evidence of fraud, of abuse and of illegal, unconstitutional activity. I'm not making that up. It's real. You can see it in the reports. You can watch it in the hearings. There are thousands of affidavits. All of this stuff is real. And if you want to jump on the train of people that think that the Dominion thing is not a problem, be my guest. But Sidney Powell hasn't been at the White House three out of the last four days just to trigger the media. She's there talking to President Trump about what she's found and what they're going to do about it. Three of the last four days she's been there. And I'm talking about, obviously, yesterday being the fourth day. So not today. I don't think she's been there yet, although I don't know. Maybe she's going today, too. But one guy who was also there in these meetings is this guy, Patrick Byrne, who was the CEO of Overstock. And I don't know how he got himself looped into this whole thing, but he's there. And he's talked very clearly about how Pat Cipollone, the White House counsel, and a couple of other White House lawyers are the ones who are not only trying to talk Trump out of pursuing his rightfully won second term. Cipollone's also the one leaking to Maggie Haberman of the New York Times. That's where this whole martial law story came out, that Trump was going to try this military takeover of the country. And the left and the, the mainstream media, the central narrative, all that, they're all freaking out about this. They're saying that this is a coup attempt. 
and that Trump's supporters have all been radicalized. I mean, what planet are we on? A president who was duly elected and then spent four years being undermined by members of his own government. Who then faces an election that was obviously illegitimate and rife with fraud and is being told that he didn't win even though he did win and we can see that that him wanting to fulfill his constitutional duty by ensuring that the country is not stolen by communists, for instance, and then to serve his second term, that is a coup. But the left, who's undermined him for this entire time, that's not a coup? Stealing an election... Enacting legitimately a color revolution in the United States of America. And we're talking about domestic actors in our political parties and in our intelligence community and former military officers trying to take the White House from the duly elected president is not a coup. That's what we're being told. And that protesters showing up at the Oregon State House is an attempt to violently overturn the country. But months of black clad losers, Antifa and Black Lives Matter domestic terrorists, attacking federal buildings for a hundred plus straight nights in Portland, burning up our cities, destroying and looting businesses and stores. That's not a violent overthrow of government. So the thing is, those of us on this side, representing our point of view, We are being called on cable television domestic terrorists for wanting to preserve the Constitution, the right to vote, the rule of law. We're attempting a coup and we're domestic terrorists. But the people actually out there committing political violence, destroying people's businesses, their livelihoods, their lives, the people supporting locking us in our homes, taking away our freedom of speech, taking our uh, taking away our freedom to assemble, our freedom of religion. Those people are just trying to save the country from us. No one believes this anymore. 
If the media still had the public's ear, if the media could still sway public opinion, they would have already done it. It would have worked, except it hasn't worked. It has failed at every single turn for the last five years. That's how you know that they don't have the power to pull this off. It isn't working. It's not even working this time. It hasn't worked for five years. It's not working now. Every day, public opinion shifts against them in the president's direction, not toward them. And the Republican politicians failing to act on this are going to meet the end of their political careers. Mitch McConnell thinks he's still going to get to be Senate Majority Leader. Well, that ain't going to happen. Because there is no way in hell that if these people fail to stand up for Donald Trump, that they are going to win the Senate runoff in Georgia, which shouldn't be happening. But they're not going to win that. Now, I want to talk about one more thing, and I didn't expect that part to take that long. But hey, you know, it is what it is. You just keep going. So yesterday, a man named Ivan Raiklin, who is a former Green Beret commander, you can find him on Twitter at Raiklin, R-A-I-K-L-I-N. He's a constitutional lawyer. And he's talking about what happens tomorrow on December 23rd. So tomorrow is the day when the states are supposed to submit or supposed to have submitted their list of certified electors to Vice President Mike Pence. And then it goes to January 6th where they confirm those electors, blah, blah, blah. But the interesting thing about tomorrow is that Mike Pence can actually reject these slates of electors if they are not properly named. And if the states have refused to properly name them, then he definitely should. But there's a process by which this can be put back on the states where they have to proactively prove that Joe Biden really did win in those states. And of course, they cannot do that. And that's what we've seen. Now, it's crucial to remember that these states have not defended their processes at all, not once. There have been no evidentiary hearings in these court cases. Democrats have used every potential mechanism they can to shut down the airing of this evidence. They don't want it to go public. They don't want it to become part of the central narrative. That is what they are desperate to avoid. So they screw around with all the laws. They commit obvious physical fraud that we have on video. They should have to prove that what they are submitting to the Congress is true and legitimate. And it definitely, definitely is not. So objections can be raised to their slates of electors on the grounds that electoral votes were not regularly given, in quotes, by an elector or that electors were not lawfully certified according to state laws. 
Those are both legitimate. Because nothing about this process was regular and legal. And if you need proof, look no further than Gretchen Whitmer making sure that the competing slate of electors that the GOP was sending in Michigan was physically, literally, physically barred from entering the chamber to cast those votes. This whole thing is a sham. And I don't see how Mike Pence could possibly serve his oath to the Constitution and to the country by allowing this process to keep going. Interestingly, there's a video that went around a bit yesterday. Um, I think it's a couple of days old, but it was the new Secretary of Defense, Christopher Miller. He was introducing Mike Pence on stage, and he took a minute to thank Mike Pence for mentorship, among other things, but also mentioned that Mike Pence has been busy kind of directing one of the most complex military operations of all time. Now, I can't wait to find out what that is. And, you know, the truth is, there's so many theories out there that we might indeed already know what that is or have an idea of what it is, and we just haven't seen yet. But there's a lot of stuff going on, and there's a whole lot of ways for this to still turn out for us, and it will. But the last thing I want to talk about is the way that these communists are going to react to this. They're going to push the narrative that this is a coup. It is not a coup. All of these things, every step that they can take toward winning are legal, constitutional, and appropriate. They're exactly what the Democrats would be would be demanding if it was reversed. And in fact, Democrats have done it as recently as 2005. Former California Senator uh, Barbara Boxer and state rep Stephanie Tubbs or California representative to the National Congress, I should say, not state rep. Stephanie Tubbs Jones, sorry. And Barbara Boxer, they objected to Ohio's votes in 2004. If you remember, that was where they said that George W. Bush had beaten John Kerry in Ohio based on problems with voting machines. Now, they were made by uh, Diebold and not Dominion, so I guess it's okay then. But this actually happened... In all of our lifetimes, literally every single eligible voter was alive then. That wasn't unusual. That didn't cause a uh, meltdown of the country. No one called that a coup. When did it become illegal to enforce the rules as they are written? 
it's so, so odd what the entire reconstrual of what justice even is has brought us. The same people who are constantly, constantly claiming that anyone in jail was put there unjustly as an act of corruption or racism. The same people who say that are the same ones that say because courts dismissed these challenges to the fraudulent election without viewing the evidence, then that means that no voter fraud occurred. So they trust the courts. I've literally had some of these communists say to me, yeah, well, you know, I trust the courts. I'll believe it when it, when the courts agree. Well, then why don't you hold that standard for anything else? The only standard of truth is whether or not the thing is fucking true. It's not about who says it's true. A judge saying it's true or not true doesn't hold more weight than literally watching the video of Ruby Freeman with your own eyes, seeing voter fraud occur in Georgia. But if a judge refuses to admit that evidence, clear, undisputed evidence, then it didn't happen? What kind of standard is that? It is the lowest and most intellectually dishonest standard of belief ever. Evidence just simply doesn't count on our side. And the rules of the system only apply to them when they benefit them. You can even look at the lockdowns. Governors like Gretchen Whitmer and Gavin Newsom have been rejected in the courts saying that their emergency orders, their executive orders have expired and were invalid in the first place. And yet they still find ways to circumvent the system as well as they can Believing that they are within the law, even though they are not. To enforce more lockdowns and restrictions. So they can use any mechanisms they want to get their way. But Trump, if he uses the mechanisms specifically outlined in the Constitution for a situation like this. then he is attempting a coup. That is utterly insane. I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time. I'm the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. Joe Biden will never be president. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. 
That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parlor at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!